On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap KU's dominant win in Cincinnati to finish out the regular season at 8-4. and four. Get into what happened in the game. Our good goats of the game, our bad goats of the game. What's next for KU football in this edition of LOJ? You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us on our YouTube page. Too. And the regular season has officially concluded for KU football. What a fun season it was and, and how fast did it go. Now, obviously, they'll have another one coming up with the bowl game. But we're going to recap the Cincinnati game on today's edition of the show. Uh, we're going to get into what's next for KU to kind of finish things up. First off, this edition of the show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. So uh, KU football wins 49-16. to It's kind of funny because the way it started, you had kind of a, a bit of a slow start. It was 3 nothing. Cincinnati. You did a good job holding them to a long field goal on the first drive after they, they moved the ball pretty well for the first, I don't know, a couple series of downs. And uh, then you end up moving the ball well, but you, you punt the ball away. And, um, you know, it it just felt like, okay, this might be a slow start. And that was kind of the question leading into the week. Like on paper, KU was the better team, had more talent. I think we saw that bear itself out. But you just wondered if – because naturally it would be the human emotion to be like, oh, man, that's such a downer the way they lost K-State. And you, you lose your rivalry game, and now it's like, ah, what are we really playing for here? This doesn't change. If you're going to the Big 12 championship, it doesn't change, you know, this or that. Um, and it was like, okay, is that going to be part of the storyline? Well, it turns out it wasn't. Uh, it was just kind of a bit of a slow start. But it felt like to me the Kobe Bryant interception, the one-handed interception, that kind of kick-started things for KU and where they were going. And, you know, looking back, it's, it's almost silly to be like, ah, it's kind of a slow start because it didn't matter. They won 49-16. to 16. It's also funny looking back after Cincinnati scored the touchdown – and, uh, you know, Lance Leipold was dejected with the refs that they gave him the two-point conversion, ended up being able to get it reviewed, and it was overturned, so the two-point conversion didn't count. Um, you know, at the point, it was 28-18, to 18, or then eventually 28-16. to 16. It was like, okay, feels like Kansas is kind of in control here, but it's still kind of a close game. And just looking back, it was 49-16. to 16. Like, it wasn't really even something that you really had to sweat down the stretch. So just dominant outing all around for KU football. Basically, everything worked for Kansas in this game. That's always a good sign when you have one of those types of games. And you ran for over 300 yards this game. It was everyone. Jason Bean was running. Uh, Devin Neal was running. Felt like Cincinnati was really putting numbers forward the first couple of drives to try to stop the run. And then eventually Kansas figured out like, hey, we're getting whatever we want in the passing game. Jason Bean goes 10 for 10 at the half. And then Cincinnati all of a sudden maybe has to defend it differently and you have a lot more success running the football in the second half. Um, so Devin Neal goes off. Dylan McDuffie goes off, right? Like you have contributions from Savion Morrison and Daniel Hyshaw and some of these guys. Um, but it, it was awesome to see Jason Bean return to get back into the starting lineup. Cool to see him stay healthy through the full game. And then obviously they bring in Ben Easters at the end so that they were able to preserve Cole Ballard's red shirt. That was cool. But Jason Bean was majestic in this game. 10 for 10 in the first half. Um, he was two completions away from moving into, I guess, tied second all time and four completions 
completions in a row away from, you know, tying Todd Reesing's record of most consecutive completions without an incompletion in a football game. Reesing had 14 straight in the uh, 2008 Insight Bowl. He was dominant in the air. He was dominant on the ground. And, you know, it feels like obviously Jason Bean had some big time moments throughout his career. He got KU Bowl eligible last year in the win over Oklahoma State. He had some big games and big moments and big plays. And obviously the, the fourth down conversion to Lawrence Arnold is going to be the one that I, I think is really going to go down in, in KU history and the play that you really remember. But ever since that, I, I guess that throw moving forward, I can't help but think it has raised his level of confidence and play to another level. He's been a good quarterback. Like this dude goes down as a top 10 quarterback in KU football history, right? Like you're, you have your kind of untouchable guys at the top, right? With your John Hadles and your Todd Reesings and your David James guys who were Heisman finalists at one point throughout their career and stuff. Right. Um, and then you have your, your, I mean, Jalen Daniels is going to vie for this if, if he can stay healthy and, and put up production next year. Right. Um, yeah. Carter Stanley's one season was was really good. His final season at KU, you wish you would have had, you know, four years with Carter Stanley of Brent Deerman and, and those receivers to kind of unlock some of that. Um, you've got, you know, some of your guys in, in the early 2000s, your Mark Williams of the worlds, right? Like um, there are a lot of guys go up there. Jason Bean is a top 10 quarterback in KU football history. And the way he has played, like I said, since the Oklahoma game, think about it. You could argue the Iowa State game, given the road circumstances, the defense you were playing against was the best game he's played. Certainly it's up there. Um, that, the Oklahoma State game last year, or maybe even this game. But if we're talking about two of his three best games, performances are coming in his last, like, three starts or whatever, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, it does add kind of to the what if of, I thought Cole Ballard played well uh, against Kansas State, and there's no guarantee that, you know, Ballard would have played. Um, and same with Texas Tech, or, or that, you know, Bean would have played X amount better than what Cole Ballard gave you, but certainly it does make you feel like if you had Bean for both those, that maybe you get different results in at least one of the two, if not both of them. No, you know, no offense to Cole Ballard. Like again, he played well, but there's right. It's 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 the same difference that we talked about all season long with like, okay, well, uh, Jason Bean's playing really well. It just sucks. We have to compare him to Jalen Daniels, who is ranked number two in the Big Twelve in QBR, right? That sort of thing. But Jason Bean, unbelievable career at Kansas, and um. I don't know. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to get more into this with the bowl game and everything, but I can't help but think like he's a senior. He's been playing so well. Even if these next three, four weeks get Jalen Daniels healthy before the bowl game, like maybe you sprinkle Jalen Daniels in here or there just to, you know, uh, get him reacclimated with the offense and everything. But like, it almost feels like Jason Bean deserves that start uh, in the bowl game for KU. Now, defensively, great defense as well. You hold Cincinnati to 16 points. Like I said, the Colby Bryant one-handed pick, Unbelievable. That was the catch of the year. Kobe now has the hit of the year, the BYU game, and the catch of the year against Cincinnati. That might be a fun episode we can do later. The plays of the year segmented out, like the pass of the year, the run of the year, all that sort of stuff. But um, he was unbelievable, and he held them to under four yards per pass. So that's pretty incredible anytime you can do that. That was kind of the perfect cap um to this season i think you, you get to play some young guys at the end you get to play some backups you got double digit snaps for nolan gorchika uh tanaka scott ben easters spencer lavelle dre dorian will huggins tavita noah doug Emilian, dylan mcduffie who who really played well did mcduffie coming in there late there's a there's another world where you know if mcduffie was on last year's team for ku and when Daniel Hyshaw gets hurt, Devin Neal has to deal with some injury stuff. Dylan McDuffie comes in and produces really well. KU was fortunate that Neal and Hyshaw were able to stay healthy this season. Uh, so McDuffie wasn't needed as much. We saw him come in late in like this game and UCF and some of the other games and, and play really well. But um, 
he would have still given you a lot of confidence if he was in that kind of top two rotation because of how I think good he played in some of those moments. But you got to preserve Cole Ballard's red shirt, so that adds another positive to this. Lots of guys went off either to cap great seasons or after serving backup roles. And, uh, you know, of course, there, there still is that level of, of based on how the Tech game, how the K-State game, how the Oklahoma State game went, of that kind of what-if feeling of how easily this team could have won nine games or ten games or even 11 games um, and, and had a shot at playing in the Big 12 title, had a shot at playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. And that's totally fair because all those games, yes, they, they could have. Now, realistically, um, you can easily be like, oh, they could have won all three games. Realistically, in, an, in, a, in a football season, if you play enough close games, like you're not going to win all of them. Weird stuff is going to happen against you. Maybe you don't expect it to happen in, in like all of those, but you did win some other one score games, right. With Oklahoma and Iowa state and, and stuff. So um, I would just say for your own sanity. Yes. I think that's a good sign of how close they were to winning nine, 10 or 11 games for the future of this program and where they're building to, to show you that, yeah, there are a few more improvements, a few more tweaks, a few more balls rolling your way from hitting that level, especially in the new big 12 coming up. But from your own sanity, I would just recommend and, you know, do whatever you want, but I would just recommend try to enjoy the eight wins. If I told you at the end of the 2020 season, when Kansas goes, Oh, and nine, that three years later, heck, if I told you in the spring, Les Miles is getting fired after the 0-9, spring of 2021, Les Miles is getting fired after an 0-9 season in 2020. If I told you then in the spring of 2021 that two and a half years later, you were going to be watching an 8-4 and four football team who was making their second straight bowl appearance, you would have gladly taken it. So enjoy this because it was an awesome season. Enjoy the win. It's just the 13th time in program history. The KU has won eight or more games. This team's special, and now we await which bowl they're going to get into, which we'll get into coming up in a little bit here on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite sporting event shouldn't be stressful, and that could apply if you're going to be going to the bowl game, wherever KU is going to be placed, right? You might have to get last-minute tickets. You might have to get some last-minute travel. Well, you don't have to worry about the ticket buying process with game time because they have a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your favorite sporting, music, comedy, and theater events with killer deals on last-minute tickets, best price guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to be having out there. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets. You can literally the day of, an hour before you go in, you can pull it up on the app and boom, you're good to go. They have easy to find and buy tickets. You get images of the seat view so you know exactly what you're getting into. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. And the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase with game time terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed our goats of the game good goats bad goats if you're new greatest of all time is the good the bad is the old way we used to talk about goats which is kind of like an escape goat way uh, so good goats here. Jason Bean gets a good goat. 13 of 17 for 250 yards, 14.7 yards per attempt for Jason Bean, which is an incredible. Like KU was third in the Big 12 coming in at like 9, 9.1, something like that. And first in the Big 12 wasn't far behind. It was like OU or UCF. They were around 9 
and a half. Uh, 14.7 is ridiculous. Two touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he had four carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns. I think if you were talking about Jason Bean's best games in a KU uniform, the Iowa State one probably is still number one for me, just because when you look at the level of competition, it's some of the clutch throws and tight window throws that he made. Oklahoma State would probably two from last year that got you bowl eligible. This one might be three. Um, I mean, it's an unbelievable for performance. Now, Cincinnati's not a great team, so maybe that would be why it's below Oklahoma State and Iowa State. But like from a production level, this is up there with any of them. He had a 95 passing grade on Pro Football Focus. Unbelievable. He was just hitting everything downfield. He was running when he needed to. Um, the, the speed is ridiculous. The first long rushing touchdown he had on the speed option – it almost, if you go back and watch it, it looks like the like safety or the DB for Cincinnati is like, okay, you know, I got this angle. And then he just gets blown by. Like he probably didn't realize how fast Jason Bean was in the open field. So unbelievable cap off to the season for Jason Bean. And uh, he has earned so many supporters and respect uh, with how, you know, this last year has gone for him. You know, you, you look at the end of the Liberty Bowl, things didn't go great after he did so much for you to, to get you bowl eligible and keep you in a lot of games when Jalen Daniels is hurt. And then he thought about stepping away, decides to come back. I'd love to hear the full story of how that all went, that process. And um, man, was KU the better for it. Man, was KU lucky for it. Because if you don't have Jason Mean, like, again, Cole Ballard played really well in a lot of moments this year. But Jason Mean was excellent this season. And, uh, you know, I, I thought in the preseason, I thought to win eight or nine games, I, I definitely thought they could. But I thought it was going to take Jalen Daniels for those eight to nine wins. I thought with Jason Mean, they were closer to a, you know, five to seven win team. And um, I was very wrong on that because Jason being good enough to win eight or nine games, which you clearly saw here, saw here with them winning eight. And who knows if he's healthy for the K-State in the Tech games, maybe they're even good enough to win 10 games. He was excellent and, uh, you know, awesome stuff for him. Really cool to see. Devin Neal gets a good goat here. 10 carries for 106 yards, over 10 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Uh, can we revote or whoever does the Doak Walker semifinalist list for the running backs? That was really stupid. He wasn't on it. It's even more stupid now. Uh, he also had an 84 pass blocking grade. He only had three pass block snaps, but like 84 pass, he did good in pass block as well. So Devin Neal, really good. He continues to stay really good at football. You know who else stays really good at football? Kobe Bryant. He had a 91 pro football focus grade that led all KU players against Cincinnati. Uh, he was three for three on tackles, so secure tackling on the outside. The coverage stuff is just stupid at this point. Two targets, zero yards, zero catches, and he had the one interception, which was just – I mean, I, I don't know how he caught uh, – one-handed, just kind of reversed one-handed catch. Like like I said, that kind of felt like the play that completely changed any momentum or really lit the fire and sparked things for KU. And you look at over the back half of the season, the last six games, Kobe Bryant only targeted 15 times, only gave up six catches – um, he had, yeah, you know, the interception there, the, the NFL passer rating against was extremely low, like unbelievable season for Kobe. Bryant. I think all season long, the NFL passer rating against is like a 56, which that would equate to like what Tim Boyle did. So Kobe Bryant, every time a quarterback throws at him, turns them into Tim Boyle. That's a pretty good thing to have on the outside. If you're Kansas, uh, the past defense overall, Kobe Bryant, obviously I highlighted here, but it was a little bit of everyone like, you know, Kenny Logan, Craig Young, Melo Dot, like. All these guys come into it. Um, 83.8 coverage rate on pro football focus overall for KU. And having that duo of Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson, Melo almost had another pick six in this game, which is uh, pretty crazy, the run he's kind of been on there. But uh, Melo has been unbelievable. Too. And the combination of all these guys, the safeties, Burroughs, Grant, Logan, right? 83.8 coverage grade. 
And what makes this even crazier is KU wasn't getting a great pass rush in this game. Cincinnati wasn't sacked at all. So, you know, sometimes the biggest friend for your coverage can be if you're getting good pressure and that forces the quarterback to throw it earlier into tight coverage or throw it away or something. Um, that wasn't really the case. They were just doing a great job on the outside. Cincinnati threw the ball 31 times. You only gave up 111 passing yards. That's under four yards per attempt. Unbelievable coverage game for KU. J.B. Brown's run defense, some, some quick ones here, really stuffed out some, some good running plays, had some good hard hits. Austin Booker had eight tackles, uh, one quarterback pressure. He also had a big batted pass. I, I forget if that was a second down or a third down. And then uh, Kenny Logan, he was 10 for 10 on tackles. 10 tackles, did not miss a single tackle. He had four targets against him for just 19 yards, and 17 of those 19 yards were after the catch. So quick passes, screen passes. Kenny Logan, excellent game to finish the regular season. KU starting receiver trio was really good. KU had a 90.1 pro football focus receiving grade. Obviously, that goes into it more than just the starters, but they were a big reason why. The trio of Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, and uh, um, I almost said Tanaka Scott for some reason, Quentin Skinner. Had a combined 10 catches for 202 yards, so over 20 yards per catch. A lot of production from your three starters. Uh, Arnold also had a team-best 79 run block grade, but all three of those guys made big plays for you. And again, like you look at the individual stats, and you come away from the games, you're like, okay, you're like he had 30, 40 yards, he had 50 yards or whatever. Like It doesn't look like that impressive, but when you realize how much KU was balanced on offense, they're running the ball a lot, how much they spread the ball out to different targets, whether it's receivers, whether it's the litany of tight ends, the running backs that they have. You know, when you have a three-catch game for 40 yards in this offense, that is really impressive stuff. And a lot of times it's making tough catches, like Luke Grimm, the one uh, deep ball catch he had on the perfectly placed ball by Jason Bean, like, uh, just uh, great stuff, again, from the KU receivers in this one. Uh, KU line gets credit here. He had some injuries. I, I don't think it was the best offensive line game you played of the season. Like some of the pro football focus grades thought it was kind of an average game. But when you when you add in the context here, you had some injuries coming in. Bryce Cable was out. You, you had uh, Armaj Reed Adams playing at right tackle starting. You had some players that even if they were playing, they were playing through stuff. Like Mike Nowitzki has uh, – uh, been playing through injuries like all season long and, and credit to him. He's been a warrior kind of dealing with some of that stuff. And there are other players on the offensive line who've been dealing with stuff. You allowed zero sacks in the game, only four tackles for loss against. That's not like a big number or anything like that. And this was a really good Cincinnati defensive line. Dante Corleone, one of the best interior D linemen in the conference and in the country. Uh, as far as some of the standouts there, Kobe Baines had an 88 pass block grade. Michael Ford had a 78 uh, pass block grade and Dominic Pooney a 71 pass block grade. Amaj Reed Adams had a 71 run block grade and Michael Ford had a 67 run block grade. Uh, now, as far as the bad notes here, I don't have a lot, as you'd imagine. Uh, I guess we could say run defense and disruption plays. Uh, Cincinnati had over 200 yards rushing, over five yards per carry. Now, it does get added into that Cincinnati had a mobile quarterback with Emory Jones. That makes it a little bit tougher there. But, yeah, you would like to, you know, maybe secure things up a little bit more in the running game defensively. The disruption plays, uh, KU was one of, uh, KU came in second in the Big 12 in sacks. So they've done a good job at it all year. Cincinnati came in second to last in the Big 12 in sacks allowed. So you thought KU would be able to get a good amount of sacks. They had zero in this game, maybe a little unexpected. You also only had zero tackles for loss. So you would like to see more disruptive plays moving forward. Overall, the defense was fine. A lot of it because of the coverage and because, you know, you at least made those second level tackles. You didn't give up a lot of like explosive plays. So overall, the defense was still great in this game. But yeah, if you're nitpicking, like those are a few things I guess you could go to. Uh, 
The early fourth and five decision, I thought that gets a bad goat here. So if you remember, KU had a third and five at the Cincinnati, like 40-yard line at the time. They, they hadn't scored yet. And they ran a speed option play with Torrey Lachlan. It didn't pick up any yards, like maybe picked up half a yard. And then they ended up punting the football. I uh, got down at like the three, but then they got the the dumb holding call that Lance Heupel was not happy about uh, on Tory Lachlan and uh, that pushed him to the 13-yard line. And I guess I, I just don't love the process there of the idea of, you know, if you're at fourth and five at the 40, like I feel like you should go for it. And to that point, and obviously in the first half, K was 10 for 10 passing. So my thing is like, if you know you're not going to go for fourth and five, I feel like passing the ball on third and five is smarter, especially with the way Cincinnati struggles in the back end. And we saw KU throw the ball really well uh, through the game. Now, if you are going to go for it on the fourth down, I think running there is fine because, you know, ideally what you're trying to do is say, okay, maybe Tory Lachlan picks up two or three yards. Now it's fourth and two, fourth and three. We can go for it. Right. So I, I don't know. I just didn't love the process there, but overall, like, I don't know. It, there's always going to be things you disagree with and, and people have different philosophies on stuff. So you understand it. Um, the last one for the bad goats here is the amount of time that the broadcast spent on Skyline Chili. Way too much. You know, I'm, I'm all here for having fun and, and cute little, okay, this or that. But when it extends on for like 10 minutes and then there's a second conversation for another five minutes, at that point it becomes a little too much, you know? At that point, may, maybe we can sit it out on the Skyline Chili conversation for, for at least a few minutes here, right? Maybe we can get back to the game a little bit here, right? And again, I'm all for having fun, but uh, I don't know. Bad goat there. All right, let's uh, finish up early look what's next for KU football. This episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now because we're going to have bowl season coming up. we got college basketball going on. In addition to college hoops, we got college football, you know, Conference championship games coming up. NFL is going on. We're getting to playoff season. So much going on right now. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can uh, do some fun parlays with the KU basketball games, right? They got UConn coming up this Friday. Visit FanDuel.com slash college, or I'm sorry, slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. That's FanDuel.com slash on. So an early look at what's next for KU football. Well, uh, we're awaiting the bowl uh, the bowl game that they're going to be selected to. You might get every so often there will be like a handful, maybe five to ten bowl games that leak out over the course of this next week between now and and you know next week. But a lot of times it's, it's some of the smaller league ones um, because a lot of times the Power Five, including this is what's going to happen with the Big 12, uh, the, the pecking order, you know uh, – it kind of gets impacted based on what happens with the New Year's Six Bowls, right? Because it could take away certain teams. So, for instance, Texas at this point is going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, so they're not going to be – right? Because, I mean, even if they lose the Big 12 title game, like it's it's hard for me to imagine at 11-2 and two that they would not be in the top, whatever, 11-12 and 12 or, or something like that. Well, the interesting one is Oklahoma. They're ranked 13th in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Ole Miss won this week, Penn State won this week, but Louisville lost. So I think Oklahoma will jump Louisville. And assuming Louisville loses to Florida State. Now, if Louisville beats Florida State, they'll probably jump back in front of Oklahoma. But um, that could move Oklahoma to 12th. 
outside of that, I don't know who they jump. So it's going to be very close if they make a New Year's Six or not. If they do, that would probably force the Alamo that then they're taking Oklahoma State. And then the next bowl game would be the Pop-Tarts. And then they'd have a decision, right? Because you have your cluster of uh, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, Kansas, maybe even Texas Tech in there um, that you're deciding on who you want to go to. Again, it's not just based on the conference standings. It's based on who they think is, yeah, they, they like to get the better team, but also fan attendance and TV matchup and, and all that sort of intrigue. So I think if if Oklahoma makes a New Year's Six Bowl, I think the Pop-Tarts Bowl is where you start thinking, okay, this is a possibility for Kansas. And keep in mind, the Pop-Tarts Bowl reps were there for the KU-Oklahoma game, so probably a good impression. Now, if Oklahoma doesn't make a New Year's Six Bowl, now they're probably in the Alamo Bowl, and then Oklahoma State's probably in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, right? Or, or even vice versa. But then at that point, things probably start uh, starting in the conversation of the Texas Bowl. But I think Pop-Tarts Bowl, Texas Bowl, then the Liberty Bowl is next up in the order. And then after that, it's the guaranteed rate bowl. Any of those four, because you really do have, you know, Oklahoma State possibly, again, depending on with OU in the near six, uh, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, you like there's a wide range of where you could go to. I do think the win over Cincinnati probably keeps Kansas away from like the Armed Forces Bowl or one of those ones that's a little further down the list. To me, the 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 cap would be the guaranteed rate bowl. I think if you were you were, I don't know, picking the most likely. I don't know if the guaranteed rate bowl would still be the most likely. I think they'd love to have Kansas. There's a good base of people in Phoenix and you could match them up with like a Wisconsin and have an interesting Lance Leipold matchup there. Um, but I don't know. I'd, I'd be very interested to see how it works out with the pop darts bowl. Possibly. I think the Texas bowl could be a real possibility too, which uh, not a huge Houston fan, um, but you know, th there is a good amount of KU alumni like in the Dallas area. So you probably would get a good attendance there. And uh, certainly not going to balk too much at some of the bowl games, but I'm most rooting for the Pop-Darts Bowl. It's the best bowl you could be in, so you can get a good matchup, play a good team and everything. But there's something about if I could get some Kansas gear that has Pop-Tarts on it that I would just absolutely love. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back at it for a uh, end of the regular season KU football takeaway show. We'll get into some KU basketball with Eastern Illinois and UConn content throughout the week as well. You can find our show anywhere you get any of your podcasts or like and subscribe on our YouTube page. We'll see you next time with Locked on Jayhawks.